What's up, everybody? Hello and welcome to episode number 155 of the VK Bros with Jason and Von Cannell, the VK Bros themselves. How you going this week, Alex? I'm starting to finally feel like a human being again. Nice. Me too. Finally recovering. Yeah. I'm getting closer. Um, Follow up from last week's episode. uh, Number one, just want to give a shout out to everyone who reached out. I actually had a lot of people reach out on socials to uh, sort of check on me after last week's story, and I I do really appreciate it. Um, I'm doing doing pretty well. Uh, On Sunday night, I went down hard with tonsillitis for the fifth time this year, and I wouldn't be surprised if... My body was fighting that off on the Thursday, which may have been the reason why I didn't have the energy just to deal on Thursday. Um, the good news is that it's become such a chronic condition for me that I'm now on the waiting list to get my tonsils removed finally after mm. all these years of copping it. So very excited about that. But yeah, thanks everyone for uh, for reaching out. Um, guys, we've got a big show ahead of us today. So a few of the things that we're going to be going through, obviously one of the biggest stories of this week is... Daniel Andrews' government cancelling the 2026 Commonwealth Games. Uh, there was also the discovery of the commercial agreement between the RMIT Fact Lab and Meta for their fact-checking services. Uh, and a very interesting way that that uh, agreement came to light. Uh, Western Australian government has just finally dropped their vaccine safety surveillance report for 2021 which has got some very interesting data in it. Uh, And we also have a boots on the ground uh, report following up on one of our stories we did last week too to get into. So Alex, over to you. Where would you like to start, mate? Uh, Let's start with the... Let's let's start with Meta. Let's start with Meta. Mm -hmm. I, I find this story, look, not surprising, but alarming. I guess. Uh, yeah, can you just zoom I'll in slightly zoom on that in. one, mate? So this is a story reported from uh, Rebel News. And uh, so I just scroll up. I've just missed the title. Sorry, mate. So the story is titled Meta Fact Checkers Agreement Revealed in Avi Yamini Lawsuit. So a secret agreement reveals the quota-based commercial fact-checking arrangement worth up to half a million dollars a year. Bear with me. Here we go. So court documents have exposed a secretive fact-checking agreement between social media giant Meta and RMIT University's Fact Lab in Australia. The confidential third-party fact-checker agreement came to light during Rebel News reporter Avi Yemeni's defamation case against RMIT Fact Lab over a false fact-check on one of his reports. And this was originally reported by his mate, uh, Rukshan Fernando. The document provides crucial insights into the undisclosed pact between Meta and RMIT Fact Lab, where the university's fact-checking department is contracted to deliver up to 50 fact-checking articles each month aimed at combating what it views as misinformation and disinformation in Australia. Uh, This agreement, believed to be worth nearly half a million dollars annually, raises questions about the independence and motivations of the fact-checking organisations involved. Independent journalist Rukshan Fernando obtained the court documents during an investigation into Meta's involvement after the owner of Facebook, Instagram and Twitter clone Threads first piqued his curiosity with its collaboration with the Australian electoral authorities. He uncovered that Meta would work with third-party fact-checkers to identify mis- and disinformation surrounding the controversial voice-to-parliament referendum on their platforms. And you may have seen recently, I think we mentioned on the show, 
the Australian government has recently announced a partnership with Meta to crack down on mis- and disinformation surrounding the voice to parliament. Best people to partner with. Best people to partner with are the ones that have that hold the keys to the information. Absolutely. So as part of this initiative, Meta announced funding for organisations like RMIT Fact Lab, Australian Associated Press and others without disclosing the extent of commercial arrangements. The court documents obtained through Yemeni's legal case shed light on the financial side of the arrangement. According to the agreement, Meta will pay RMIT Fact Lab $800 for each explanatory article with the potential to publish up to 50 articles per month, resulting in a maximum monthly payment of $40,000. This raises concerns about the financial incentives driving fact-checking efforts and potentially compromising the organization's independence. RMIT University, the parent institution of RMIT Fact Lab, publicly claims to fund the fact-checking division through philanthropic donations and independent research grants. However, the document reveals a commercial agreement with Meta that goes undisclosed on their website. This lack of transparency raises questions about the true nature of their partnership. Fernando expresses his concern over the involvement of these fact-checking companies in Australia's political landscape. The fact-checkers, while presented as independent organisations, are contracted commercially with the lack of transparency in their funding sources and their association with Meta raised doubts about the integrity of their fact-checking processes. He also points out that RMIT's Fact Lab's fact-checking records appear to be biased towards certain positions, notably favouring the yes vote in the Voice to Parliament referendum. As Meta's influence continues to grow, it becomes paramount to ensure that such partnerships are transparent and independent, especially when fact-checkers play a significant role in shaping public discourse and information dissemination. Okay, so we need to discuss... This is an example of why you can't trust anything that you see. Mm-hmm. Because there is a commercial agreement, a pretty sneaky commercial agreement too, because you've got Meta paying RMIT and you've got governments paying Meta. Yep. Exactly. I'm sure the government can't make it. Like, it would look very bad if the government was paying RMIT direct. Mm-hmm. And it just so happens that the, the, the misinformation that t- tends to be acted upon by these companies just happen to be the ones that are being pushed on TV. That's by right. Governments. It's just a coincidence. It, absolutely. Yeah. An absolute coincidence. Now... It's not surprising to me that these guys got payments because I, I did also think, uh, isn't it funny how business is so important that you need to put a comm structure around even the filthiest of activities? Mm-hmm. It's like drug dealers, right? Drug dealers send their druggies out to go and sell drugs. It's like yep. you've got to hit these unit sales, right? They run it like a like a real business. Well, same as like uh, authorita- authoritarian regimes. Mm-hmm. Like they've still got numbers and KPIs to hit. Yeah, that's right. Um, <clears throat> number one, my my first thought on this is shout out to Avi Yamini, because the only reason why this has come to light at all is because he's had the balls to sue RMIT Fact Lab over one of his, what he claims is an incorrect fact check on one of his articles. And here's a staggering thing for me. We, we have seen fact checks be used as a like a call to authority to disarm many arguments over the last three years. 
because everyone's first thing is they go, no, 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 that's been debunked. The fact that's been fact-checked. Like they fact-checked that, that's wrong. They fact-checked this, that's wrong. And Alex and I have spoken a million times about the actual contents of these fact-check articles are ridiculous and usually more often than not end up actually confirming the thing that they are pretending is false, but it's way down the bottom of the article. They just fill it full of noise at the beginning because they know people will stop reading at that point. So what is what is so fascinating by this is now we literally wouldn't have known about this at all mm. had he not sued them and then gone to discovery. And we'd always talk about with court cases how important discovery is, right? This is why it's important. This is why people generally settle because they don't want this information to be released. But <clears throat> juxtapose this situation where let's pretend the Australian government's got nothing to do with it, okay? Let's pretend that uh, RMIT University went directly to Meta and said, hey, uh, we've, we've got this service that we want to run and we, I think it aligns with your commercial values. Can you fund this service for us? And let's pretend the government's got nothing to do with it. How much do you hear our government talking about, and you hear this in the United States as well, foreign influence on elections or foreign influence on just standard political processes? They talk about it all the time, about it's the worst thing in the world. You know, Russian misinformation, it trying to steal an election, for example. Meta ain't an Australian company. Yeah. Right? This is a foreign business which has an almost as close to a monopoly on social media speech and they're trying to get a monopoly that's why they release threads they're trying to get a monopoly on the entire internet yeah and so even if our government had nothing to do with it it also stands to reason that our government has done nothing to stop this from happening even though they have earmarked foreign influence as one of their key um national security measures i've seen um I think the shadow minister for cyber security is uh, James Patterson, Patterson. James Patterson, I think it is, the liberal guy. And he's been, I've seen a lot of his, um, you know, estimates hearings recently where he's been quizzing like the AFP and stuff on, on all their cyber security measures and specifically what they're doing to stop foreign interference via social media. This is the social media company interfering in our domestic political affairs like so the fact but that it's the okay government... because it's a tool it's okay it's okay if it's a tool for the government yeah it's not okay if it's a tool for anything else that's right so what my point is we can't say for sure that the government has anything to do with this arrangement but the fact that they're sitting back and completely letting this happen leads me to believe that they do well i mean the the, the thing for me is that the smoking gun for me is they're not fact-checking other stuff. Mm. There's heaps of dumb shit on the internet. There's heaps yeah. of misinformation on the internet yep. that they don't care about, but it just happens to be the hot-button topics which are in political the political zeitgeist right now. Yeah. That's the stuff that they're, they're addressing. So to me, that is as clear as day that, you know, you can see what they're doing for sure. Yeah, for sure. yeah. And yeah, I but just... I, I just want to say too, I, someone sent... Some, I got sent one the other day just a meme on Instagram. It was supposed to be a funny thing. It was something like, it was something like, uh, it doesn't matter if you win by an inch or a mile, winning's winning. And mm-hmm. it said Benjamin Franklin down the bottom. <laughs> right. Now, that stuff doesn't get fact-checked. 
But then someone sent the, like a misquoted Orwell quote. Mm. That gets fact-checked. Yeah. It's the same, uh, almost the same joke, I it's guess. It's the same, like, offence, I guess, isn't it? It's the same offence. It's yeah, misquoting one... a famous figure. That's the yes. offence. Yeah. But well, it's the substance of the quote that's the problem in the fact yeah. checker's eyes. Because that was what happened a few months ago with the that um, quote that had been misattributed to Dostoevsky that I did the experiment mm. on on our social media. I think I can probably find it pretty easily. Uh, and well, while you find that, that's the, that's the thing that I find so interesting. This is how, I guess, how dumb we are as a species is that all we need to see is red text with the word... Like, it doesn't even matter what the words are. Red text to say, oh, that thing's false. And the, we will happily quote that to people. Oh, that's fake. Yeah. You know, so fake. Oh, why? Because there was red text below it? Is that's that right. why? So here's and then the if example. you go read it, like the, ex- like the exercise that we've done on this show a bunch of times, where we can go in, we can read you the fact check, do the work, read the fact check... And see, oh, actually, they're agreeing with it, but they're just going to waff, like fill this full of waffle, hmm. or they move the argument slightly. Slightly, it might say something like, uh, "Oh, although this thing is absolutely one hundred percent correct, we don't like it because, in the context, it could be damaging." Yeah, that's or, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Steady on. Like that's not that's not a fact check. That's right. Like that's a feeling check of anything. Hundred percent, and that's what it's all about. And so the example was um, a few months ago. I noticed that uh, both Andrew Bogart and Discernible, the channel, had put these posts up of a quote apparently falsely attributed to Dostoevsky. And the original quote was this: "Tolerance will reach such a level that intelligent people will be banned from thinking so as to not offend the imbeciles." Mm. And that was had all these false, like, fact-check false, fact-check false, all over the internet. This all happened on the same day. So, the fact-checks said that this is false information, and you have to go all the way down the bottom where they say that the quote itself was, like, falsely attributed to Dostoevsky and actually come... The, the, the original... Uh, the originator of the quote's unknown or something like that. But it was the feeling of the quote yeah, itself, yeah, yeah. which is yeah. what drew its attention. Because I posted up a picture of Dostoevsky with the quote, I like big butts and I cannot lie. Dostoevsky, underneath cool. it. No fact cool. check. No yeah, fact yeah, check. Yeah, yeah. So that's yeah. clearly false. Or he may have or said Or maybe that. he did say it. Yeah. Maybe. Can you but imagine yeah. it? Uh, a, a Sir Mix-a-Lot and Dostoevsky uh, um, partnership. <laughs> A collab. That's the mashup that the world needs to heal right now, yeah, I yeah. think. Um, but yeah, so in, in summary, if you guys didn't know already, and most of the people watching this channel, you guys know it, but this is a sort of story that I would share with any of your programmed blue pillar friends or family who go, next, and it's just next time, like, don't bring it up, but next time something comes up where they go, no, no, that, that's been fact-checked as false. Okay, cool. I understand that you feel that way. Did you realize that RMIT Fact Lab gets paid $800 per article that they write on a fact check? And to put it into into context for people, when I first started selling cars back in the day, now no one trusts car salespeople, do they? No one trusts them. 
because in everyone's mind, quite rightfully so, there is a financial incentive at play for the salesperson to sell you a product. Everybody understands that. That's why people inherently don't trust salespeople. And selling cars is very, very hard. We have a, like back when I first started, and it's pretty pretty much an industry standard. If you were a good salesperson, you would sell a car to one in four people that came into your showroom that you spoke to, if you were really good at it. A real closing rate is closer to like one in six, one in seven, one in eight, realistically speaking. Um, most people who close one in four, it's because they didn't log the other four people that they'd spoken to on their systems. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that was your normal closing rate, 25%. And when I first started, you'd get paid $150 a car, plus a, some kickers if you did some other things. 150 bucks to do that much work to sell a car. If I knew I could get $800 to literally pen out a bullshit article on the internet... I might call me, Fact Lab. Yeah, yeah, call yeah, yeah. me. Well, I'll no. do that job in a heartbeat. Now, Jason's strategy of like if someone brings up, oh, that's that's incorrect, and you know we we know it's fact check. That's that's a nice way of doing it. If you want a uh, not very nice way to do it, this is how I'd handle it, and especially in a group scenario because you want as m- many people in a room as possible before you drop this bomb. But when someone someone goes, oh no, that's that's been fact check proven. Oh, it's a fact check, was it? Okay, all right. Hey, everyone, put your hands in the air if you've read one of these fact checks. Put your hands in the air and then put your hand up and then watch no one else put their hand up and go, read the things. They are bullshit. They are bullshit. Uh, And you won't even do the work. You won't even do the work. Your your, uh, opinion doesn't count because you haven't done the work. (laughs) Or you could even take it further. And when someone goes, oh, no, that's been fact checked as false, just go, shit, you sound vaccinated and move on. <laughs> All right, let's go to the next story. What, where are we going next? We're going to um, WA. Is where yeah. We're going. So, interestingly enough, WA, Western Australia, has just released in twenty well mid twenty twenty three their uh, vaccine safety surveillance report, their annual report for twenty twenty one. Now, this is very, very significant because we've been saying for a long time, Western Australia really is the control group when it comes to vaccine adverse events because they were the hermit kingdom during COVID. So they they had no COVID in Western Australia until 2022. So in other words, with, with all the other states and everything around the world, what you've always seen the, the health authorities do Whenever anyone brings up any sort of adverse event, they try to pretend that it was COVID that caused it, not the vaccines. Well, Western Australia is our control group and some fascinating data has come out of this. So if you can scroll down to page uh, two, I think it is. So with this executive summary, so I'll give you a little bit. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm just going to read some key things. But uh, so this report describes... Hold on, just before you do this, just before you do this, can I, you know that there was another report that came out today, uh, which we're not reporting on today, but... uh, (laughs) the Labor government has... They, they basically wanted to pitch a a new methodology to uh, see whether Australians are doing better or worse, as opposed to just GDP figures. And right. Andrew Yang was a big proponent of this, and I like this idea, okay? So it shouldn't yep. just be how much money is every mule in Australia generating. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think that's the right, the right thing. But what was a bit rude about this report, which they're getting slammed for, is that it uses 2020 data. 
So it says it says in the report. Oh, everyone's stoked with their mortgage. They love it. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Interest rates were like one percent. Um, now th- there is an example where we've said on this show before. You know, you can use statistics to lie to people, but mm-hmm. y- you know, you got to be careful. You got to be careful what you put out there. And yeah. and if you thought that like we weren't going to notice, of course we're going to notice. But yeah. anyway, here's another report. Here's another report that, that that's come out that two, two, no two, other state has brought it out. Only WA. Yeah. Two quick points on the, the point that you just brought up. Number one. Um, of course, Labor wants to bring out a different me- uh, measure of whatever the... the um, success. So yeah, measure of success. Because if you bring out a new one, then you can't compare it to the old one. The data's mm. got to start again from now, right? And we've yeah. seen that in... One of the things that Senator Jared Rennick has been like a dog with a bone on is uh, the whole global warming phenomenon, particularly around the... Uh, Australian Bureau of Statistics in Australia and how they record weather data. And he has consistently been saying, you guys keep saying that it's increasing, but you have actually changed your method of... um, of recording the temperature. It was something like five or six years ago. That changed. And they were all, they were like, fobbing it off, fobbing it off, fobbing it off. And I saw there was a freedom of information request that he just got uh, some information on. And in certain places around the country, they have literally changed um, how they record the temperature from, I, I don't know the exact terminology, but it's like basically from ground level or from six metres above ground level. So when you think about things such as, I don't know, um, having sun shining on the ground and that heat bushing back up like those two those two temperatures are going to be different aren't they yeah even if you're in the same spot especially when especially when you put a solar panel that bounces the light from one you know from the ground back to that device yeah we have seen photos of (laughs) yeah yeah um so yeah in in in, yeah let's get back to the report it's all it's all uh uh, the numbers lie. The, That's right. The, sorry, the, sorry. The numbers can be interpreted any way someone wants them to be interpreted. That's... Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, so let's go to the key data. So in 2021, which is when the vaccine rollout began in Australia, a total of 5,756,723 vaccine doses were administered in WA, uh, up from 2,071,000 in 2020. So you need to remember... Good job, salespeople. Great job. Yeah. Great job. But that is all vaccine doses. It's not just COVID. That's all vaccines administered. Yeah, there was 167 non-COVID doses given. <laughs> well, it says of this amount, uh, 3.9, so almost 4 million individual doses of COVID-19 vaccine were recorded uh, in the Australian Immunisation Register as, as being administered to WA residents. The increase in vaccine administration resulted in a significant increase in reports of AEFI, which is adverse events following immunisation, with the WA Vaccine Safety Service, I think that's what WAVS stands for, receiving 10,726 individual AEFI reports in 2021, up from 270 in 2020. 10,428, or 97% of those reports, occurred after a COVID-19 vaccine. Although there was a notable increase in AEFI reports, rates of AEFI across the three COVID-19 vaccines administered in WA in 2021 were similar to national rates reported by the Therapeutic Goods Administration. So 
That right there is the sort of line that you would see used in a fact check article to mm. shift your focus on the data. Because yeah. what they're trying to get you to believe is that, that those rates of reporting were normal because they're yeah. similar to what's been experienced throughout the country based yeah. on COVID vaccines. But what that does is it shifts your focus away from the fact that that is completely abnormal compared to other vaccines. I'll continue. Yeah, don't worry about that. Yeah. Uh, In WA, the total AEFI rate following a COVID-19 vaccine was (laughs) 264.1 per 100,000 doses. So that's 264 adverse events per 100,000 doses. The AEFI rate per brand was... So AstraZeneca was 306.1 per 100,000 doses. Pfizer was 244.8. And Moderna was 281.4 per 100,000 doses. These rates were compared to the uh, WAVs equivalent in the USA, which is VAERS, Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System. In 2021, the national rate of AEFI following a COVID-19 vaccine was 148.3 per 100,000 doses. Blah, 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 blah. I'm not going to go through the okay. rest of it. Um, but I, I wanted to show some stuff. Well, I just want to say a few points on this before you go on to the next bits of data. Sure. Number one, uh, from what has been shown in, particularly coming out of the United States, the actual reporting rate of adverse events is somewhere in the vicinity of 1% to 10% of the actual adverse events that you have seen. Mm-hmm. And I'll give you a really good example of that. Uh, for anyone who's listening to this who is vaccinated, if you got a vaccine and you got soreness in your arm or you got a headache afterwards, did you call your do- doctor and make them file a report? Yes or no? I would hazard a guess. The case is no. If yeah. you were a minor who uh, got the vaccine and experienced chest pains, uh, you probably aren't actually explaining that to your parents correctly. You're just saying, I don't feel good. So a lot yeah. of these reports never get handed in. So the fact even that- worse than that, even worse than that, then you've also got the and if you remember, and I know a lot of us are trying to forget, but during that time, if you felt bad, you were told, no, 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 it's not that, it's yeah. not that, like it's something else. Don't worry about it. Go back. You That's know? right. That's right. So the fact that the adverse event rate is so high. So 260, oh no, where's the actual number? Yeah, sorry, 264.1 per 100,000 doses. If that's only 10% of what's actually being reported, you're talking about 2,500 people per 100,000 doses. If it's only 1%, you're talking 250,000 people per 100,000 doses. Oh, sorry, 25,000 people people. per 100,000 doses. That's one in four. We, We know people that have been extremely sick yeah very very had like with very serious illnesses mm-hmm. and there's no talk about uh like like i know that they've t- asked the doctor could it be because of this and the doctors re- reply <laughs> uh it may or may not yeah so and if you're saying may or may not, you're not reporting it there's no way you're reporting it but, and that's the sad thing because in in years prior to 2020 and or 2021 when the vaccine rollout started if there was any doubt at all 
about whether or not a medical intervention caused something, it would be reported because that's what you do in medicine. If you cannot categorically rule it out, it has to be put in as a factor. We completely yeah, flipped sure. that script during the vaccine rollout where we tried to blame adverse events on absolutely anything else in the world except the thing that we made everybody do. What was the craziest one? Uh, referees' whistles. Referees' whistles. I saw okay. a, there, was, there was a post from Israel about... They had a report that came out showing a massive increase in adverse events after their vaccine rollout. And I said, oh, were referees' whistles a particularly popular gift that year? Yeah, it's crazy. All right, um, I might let you read this bit out because it's a little bit small for me to read. This, it's basically an illustration of... Uh, so we don't need to read it. It's basically just showing a timeline of the vaccine rollout and it's just interesting when you sort of compare it up against this one here so this one yeah. is the number of aefi reported to wavss was significantly higher 2021 than the previous years 10,700 compared with an average of 276 per year i'm going to read that again <sighs> so 10,700 average compared to the 2017 to 2020 period of 276. So let's do some quick maths on that. So 276 divided by 10,726 times 100. Uh, no, that's not what I'm doing. I'm going to go the other way around. Sorry, you continue on. I'm going to do some quick maths. Um, due to the introduction to COVID-19 vaccination program, to allow comparison to AEFI numbers to previous years, figure two, so this is for, I've got the image up here, represents all uh, AEFI reported uh, reports to VSS for it's, persons it's vaccinated. 3, 000, it's roughly 3,900% more reports. Yeah, right. Um, now, figure three excludes adverse events following COVID-19 vaccination. The high number of reports in 2021 from COVID-19 vaccination reflects higher uptake of COVID-19 vaccination, the higher engagement from the public and healthcare providers with monitoring the vaccine safety. So for audio listeners, there is basically a, a bar graph mm -hmm. that runs from 2017, 2018, 2019, 2020, 2021. From 2017 to the start of 2021, it is basically one or two millimetres above the line. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's well under 200 uh, individual events. And that includes January and February of 2021. Come March, this, it skyrockets to just under 1,000. Yeah. Now, in, uh, what's that, October, it peaks at f over 1,400. It's crazy to see this. And now, I want, this, this is the part that I really want to sort of ham on. People that are just saying, no, it's got to be something else, need to shut the fuck up. Yeah. They actually need to shut the fuck up now. Yeah. Because, like, look at that number. Look at that number. And it can't be COVID because COVID, we had COVID in 2020. Well, no, it can't be COVID in Western Australia because they didn't have COVID until 2022. Oh, there you go. Because they, you know, you got to remember back, guys, Western Australia was the hermit kingdom. They closed their borders harder than anyone else in the country. They didn't have as bad a lockdowns as like Victoria and Sydney in particular because there was no COVID in the community. Lockdown. That's right. They, they, they kept everybody the state, out. Not the, 
Yeah. That's right. Which is why this data is so important because you're exactly right, Alex. This literally shows you like they still experienced the same excess deaths as everybody else and had no COVID. So all of you people saying, oh, it's COVID, it's not the vaccines, shut the fuck up. It's not COVID. It's not COVID. Like, it can't it, it be. Just, it, there's no data set that you can show besides... So, sorry, the data set that people are used is the absolutely zoomed out as much as you can and then attribute that thing to that thing, right? Yeah. Excess deaths, all right, it's got to be COVID, okay? And yes, COVID was significant. But if you, if you peel one layer back and starts looking at documents like this and, and, and it's it is so clear now let me let me try and play devil's advocate could could the argument be made that because of lockdowns and because of stresses in society that people were maybe more sick and more uh, they were more attuned with the health therefore they would yeah. More. Look, that is an argument, and I'm sure that that has had some sort of percentage impact on those figures. Ain't three thousand. No. And then, uh, do you remember the argument that they'd said early days when when this signal came out instantly? So, so we were talking about this like months after the the vax rollout because the numbers, the adverse events numbers, were going through the roof. Yeah. And do you remember what their excuse was? No. What was their actual excuse? Well, of course, there's going to be more because we've vaccinated more people. Yeah. 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 So let's let's go through this. So he's just scrolled down to a page which has got its rates of myocarditis and myopericarditis for 2021 by age group are shown in the, the graph below. So the highest rates are, were following spike vax, which is the Moderna vaccine. Um, were age groups 25 to 29 years, uh, which is 21.4 per 100,000 doses, 50 to 59 years, 10.2 per 100,000 doses, and 12 to 17 years, which is 9.2 per 100,000 doses. The highest myocarditis slash myopericarditis rate following Pfizer were age groups 18 to 24 years, 11.6, and 12 to 17 years, which is 6.1 per 100,000 doses. Rates of myocarditis and pericarditis following uh, Vaxevria, which was the new AstraZeneca vaccine, uh, by age group were less than one per 100,000 doses. Now, things I want to draw your attention in there. The, the, high, the most affected people by, of myo and pericarditis were young people. 12 to 17 years old. Uh, what have we got here as well? 25 to 29 years old. Those are the key age groups that were affected by myocarditis. Now... Here's another stat too that used to be a medical fact but has become a essentially not spoken about. Misinformation. Misinformation. So if you look up myocarditis on Google and so there's a question here. Is myocarditis usually fatal? So an answer from um, the NCB... So the NIH, National Institutes of Health in America, from their website... Uh, immediate complications of myocarditis include ventricular dysrhythmias, left ventricular aneurysm, CHF, not sure what that is, and dilated cardiomyopathy. The mortality rate is up to 20% at one year and 50% at five years. 50% of people die after five years yeah. from myocarditis. 50%, half. So all of those young people 
at a rate of what was it 21 per 100,000 people all of those people 50% of them might die within the next five years and they yeah. try to fucking pretend this is okay and for and what was the what was the death rate for uh, what was the case to death rate for COVID nineteen? So the thing that were they protected against point in zero that two group. of a percent. No, oh, in that age group. In that age group, it? way less than that. The average yeah. age of death from COVID nineteen is still eighty two years old. Yeah, and they've given these young people potentially irreversible heart damage, which may result with them dying within the next five years. And when and you see. Just- all of these died suddenly articles. Young person, young healthy person died suddenly. Young healthy person died suddenly. Like, they can come up with as many fucking excuses in the world as they want. But the fact that every single one of those articles doesn't have their vaccination status for COVID-19 is is an absolute abhorrent uh, indictment on journalism in this country. Because all they're doing is protecting fucking big pharmaceutical companies and our government who force this on everybody. And, like... What, or what are all these kids? Collateral damage? Fuck you. Like, that's insane. This, and this is why we want to keep bringing it up. I spoke to someone during the week, and he'd kind of said to me, like, oh, I think you're going a bit far with it, and, you know, we get it. And I had to say to him, like, we don't get it. Nope. We're not even close to getting it. That's right. And you can tell, because you can still have conversations with people now that just want to bury their head in the sand now the reason why we have to do it is because this will happen again this will happen again if we let these people get away with uh uh effectively with murder right yeah what like what 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 message does that send to those same people Oh sweet! All right. Well, okay. Here's an action plan that we can use, and we can and we can uh, uh, redeploy that whenever we want. Yeah. And we're going to make stacks of money on the way through. We're going to have heaps of control on the way through, and we're better. We, you know, everyone, all the people that have, uh, all the leaders that have quit have moved on to better things. Right. Yeah. They're fine. Here's the here's the message that we're sending. We're the to collateral those damage on the ground. Yeah. Here's the message we're sending those people. This is how much your life is worth. Somewhere between between twenty, forty, sixty dollars, based on how many shots you had. Yeah. If you had one shot, your life is worth twenty dollars to our government and the medical establishment. That's how many fucks they give. Yeah. And you're right, Alex. People want it. Like I have conversations about this stuff now too. Oh, like guys, move move on. It's it's twenty twenty three. Like COVID's over. Guess guess what? COVID's not over. Like, the hospitals are still overrun. There's still people dying of or with COVID at the moment. The only reason why you guys think COVID is over is because the TV stopped telling you it's a problem. Because now yeah. we're being told that, what, what's our problems now? Oh, climate change. Oh, you know, we, and we it's the same emotional, abusive bullshit that you're receiving on every single subject. Like, the fact that people are still allowing themselves to be emotionally manipulated into the climate change agenda and voting yes for the voice shows you that everyone learnt nothing from COVID. Yeah. Nothing. It's... And that's why we're going to keep screaming it from the mountaintops. That's until... right. But now I will say that it's shifting. The fact that studies like this are coming out, the fact that people seem to be more allowed to talk about it, uh, the fact that there's some um, political, uh, I mean, it sucks that Rennick's out, but... Um, He's still got uh, two years to go at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
uh, and we we like maximum respect to Jared Rennick. He's, uh, I mean, he's basically become a martyr to this. Yeah. This 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 thing, and, and we appreciate it. He's still asking the hard questions. But and, uh, sorry, just on that note, like for anyone who doesn't know, Senator Jared Rennick, who was one of the shining lights in the Australian political um, arena over the last three years. He just lost his uh, liberal pre-selection. So, in other words, the Liberal Party has taken away his seat for the next election. So, any of you who think, "Oh, well, it's it's Labor running things now, and they're the problem," I'm going to vote Liberal next time. No, the Liberals are the problem too. They're both sides of the same coin, because the only guy, or one of the only guys, who was really standing up for everyone's rights during this period, has been ousted by his own political party. And I guarantee you they'll come after guys like um, Alex Antich next because these are the guys who spoke out. They did the right thing and now their own party's going to put a bullet in them instead of getting behind them and going, you know what? And like, again, like trying to juxtapose these things all together. We're being told by, uh, with the voice, like the whole yes vote thing, the, the call to action is we made some really big mistakes in the past that we need to rectify now. Yeah. Right? That's that's the sales pitch for The Voice. We made mistakes. We did these horrible things to the Aboriginal people. And I agree that there were horrible things that happened to those people. But the, the call to action is mistakes were made back then and we need to do everything we can now to rectify those mistakes. Well, guess what? We're making some big fucking mistakes right now. And we're doing nothing to rectify those mistakes right now when it matters. M- rectifying the mistakes of the vaccine injured in 40 years time, does not. it's not solving the problem. Well, 75 years if you are let Pfizer um, have their way. Okay, that's actually an interesting segue. So a bit of feedback, boots on the ground feedback from one of the segments that we put on last week, which was in regards to the uh, Aboriginal Council. uh, The cultural heritage laws in Western Australia. Yeah. So I had someone contact me. He used to work in the mines over in WA uh, 10 and 15 years ago. Yep. And said it was exactly the same back then. So it's, it's not it's not a new thing. That's a well built, well established uh, framework. They he, he this guy that rang me actually was on that. It was his job to represent the mine to the cultural heritage thing, and they they would actually walk out in front of the like the big machines that would go and dig anything up, and they'd find any artifacts. And if there was an artifact, it was gps located to either move it or say okay no, this is culturally significant mm-hmm. um yeah i think there's there was trees that were significant so they had trees that um where they pulled the bark off and there was writing in it okay. so that that was something that was that would come up qu- quite a bit and they would mm-hmm. actually get uh protected now the reason why i wanted well the reason why he wanted to bring that up with me is because he agreed with my sentiment that I said last week that I think the reason why these messages are coming up now is to try and inflame racial tensions in Australia. Okay. That's, it's, it's all involved. It's, it's a psyop from uh, the government pushed through uh, uh, media companies and social media to make us angry at Aboriginals. Okay. And Did... I, I will not partake into that, in that. I don't think... I, I, I can see what they're doing, and I will not partake. Okay. I, I Again, I have nothing against 
Aboriginal people. But did he explain then what the difference is between the laws that applied to him in the mines at the time and the new laws that came into effect on the 1st of July this year? No. Because it's, so it's new laws. So uh, I've just brought up here. So the Aboriginal... So Aboriginal Cultural Heretic Act, a Heritage Act of 2021... So it says, find out about the new act that came into effect on the 1st of July, 2023. So WA's new Aboriginal Cultural Heritage Act of 2021, so this is obviously an update to it this year, represents a significant step towards achieving equity in the relationship between Aboriginal people, industry and government. Laws to protect Aboriginal cultural heritage have been modernised and came into effect from 1st of July, 2023. Everything that land users are already doing now is permitted under the new act. The new process makes it simpler and fairer, introducing practical exemptions for the first time. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I can't really go through it. But the, re the reality is that I understand that there's been these sorts of laws regarding Indigenous people and their land for a long time. I don't know what the complete impact is with these new updates to the Act that have come in on the 1st of July. I would hazard a guess that the mining stuff might be land that was already uh, considered under national title maybe at the time but I don't 100% know the difference and why this new act or maybe this new act um, increases the scope of lands that it covers I don't I don't know or maybe it doesn't and maybe it doesn't matter because the whole idea of putting the word out there is to give us this feeling that there's something amiss yeah but that's my point Okay, but again, my my issue is not with Aboriginal people. My issue is with anyone who seeks to take advantage of new legislation that's put into place under false pretenses. And I don't know what that legislation is. Well, uh, there's the Act, so we can go and actually research the Act itself. Like, yeah. the reality is new laws came into place on the 1st of July this year, which may or may not impact the way that... Mm. Uh, the laws can be used, utilized. Yeah, and that's my. But can you not? Can you not see? Can you not see a pattern of media behavior in regards to this? Can, like, have, have you put yourself in my moccasins for a minute to have a look at it from from my point of view to see that this yeah, could potentially like absolutely. what it's trying to do? Which, which is why I'm so concerned about it because it's the same sort of playbook, which means the Aboriginal people don't win. Like, it's it's the elites in the media that win. It's the elites in the mm. government that win. It's not Aboriginal people that win. But it will yep. be it will be used by probably white people who've got 0.001% Indigenous heritage based on their 23andMe that they've cooked up, which will end up taking advantage of these sorts of legal protections. See, I, I think <clears throat> what, you, what you just did then is what... I'm actually concerned about because I think that's what the media is trying to do is to emote those feelings. But okay, what my what my feelings are based on is things that have already happened around the world. So we've already seen in New Zealand there are similar a similar laws which uh, have basically given indigenous New Zealand Maoris additional rights over the top of every other New Zealand citizen without Maori blood, i.e. you actually go above non-Indigenous citizens for things like organ donations. Like, that already happens in New Zealand because of laws that have been brought in. 
So my concern is, it's like that old Kerry Packer clip. Whenever they bring in new laws, they take people's rights away. They don't give anyone any rights. But when they bring in new laws, they take them away. So his idea was, how about every time you bring in a new law, you have to repeal an old one that we no longer use, but they never do that. My concern with all of this stuff, it is not about Indigenous people taking things from me. I'm not concerned about that at all. I'm concerned about any additional laws that are brought into place that are, are going to be abused by the people who understand the legal system. We need to research this this thing before we can have those assumptions. Which thing are you talking about? This new act in Western Australia? Yeah. All right. Well, we probably should have looked into it after you had your conversation. Well, no, I, I wanted to, to do it this way. Okay. Because... I feel like you're proving my point because, and you're sensitive to it as in, as in like you're, you're looking at it in more depth than most. Mm -hmm. So imagine what the majority feel. That's the power of media. That's what they're doing. It's the divide and conquer. That's my point. And that's why I wanted to outline it this way, but I don't... We don't know what the rule is, but we have feelings like heightened feelings about it which are going to separate us. But again, I don't feel like that story from last week does that because the reality is the person who was put out by the new laws was an Aboriginal person. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who it is. It's the fact that there's a conversation about us versus them. But it's not us versus them. But like, that's, that's, not my, that's not my focus on the conversation. My focus on the conversation is, like... It's the same thing I spoke about when this happened. Whenever you bring in something under the false pretenses using emotional bullshit, and it's easy to do that in Australia with Indigenous rights issues because of our past. It is easy to do that. Whenever you bring that stuff in, it allows like government and their mates to profiteer from it. And the example I used the other week was... There was a, that factory made up in far north Queensland under an Indigenous program designed to get youths off the street and put them to work. And, they, and it was a factory that created thongs. And with the amount of government funding that that factory received, it, the cost for every pair of thongs that came out of that factory was about $3,000. And they were selling them for 10 bucks. And the way that happens is because you set it up, it sounds like a great um, like community program to help Indigenous people and Indigenous youths. You bring them in, and then it's all the structure built around that factory, i.e. who supplies the rubber, who supplies other materials, who then sell their wares to that factory at three, four, five times what the market rate is because no one audits or checks any of this shit, and it's those guys that are profiteering off the outside of it. I 100% so agree with that. I am in 100% agreement with that. 100% mm -hmm. agreement. Yep. Not my point. Not my point. Okay. My so... point is that all this effort, starting with the censorship, the deals with Meta, RMIT, mm -hmm. this, in my view, is another example of that where they can throw these scud stories out there to initiate a response that tries to keep us separated. And the article, the reason why I'm not showing the article that you'd sent me is because that's another one. So are that's, you... It's a narrative building exercise. Okay. Are you in... So is it your thought process that the Australian government is holding the referendum for the voice to parliament 
purely with the whole and sole goal to create division between Indigenous and non-Indigenous Australians? Uh, maybe not the whole and sole goal, but I think it's a large part of it to... to uh, it's, it's very reminiscent to me of Cronulla Rights. It's very reminiscent to me it, of, of that same, uh, like, like you said, posture up like we're doing the right thing, but say it in such an abrasive way mm-hmm. to an elicit response from the populace that makes people hate each other so that they can do other bad shit. You don't that's, think that's it how is, I feel. You don't think it's more likely that they're putting these laws in place so that they can be used and abused by the holders of power? No, no, no I agree with that. I, I'm telling you, I agree with that. 100% I agree with that. I, 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 I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, I mean. Yeah. But what I'm saying is I will not partake in the, in the, like, the reason why I don't want to drill down into these stories is because I think we are exacerbating the problem. I think we're doing their work for them. That's what I think. Do you think that we're contributing towards uh, racial segregation, like racial hatred, with our conversations about these subjects? Not, not racial hatred, but a but uh, uh, I think we are creating. I think this whole voice conversation is about racial divide. Yeah, it is. Like that's what the conversation is about. But mm. the the answer to like. Essentially, the way that I'm, I'm, I'm taking your your thought process is this, and your phone's vibrating on the desk, by the way, um, is to to avoid inf- like the goal of the government and the media is to inflame tensions, to divide and conquer. So, if that yes. is the goal, then by discussing the stories that are put out into the marketplace of ideas. We are potentially giving them additional gas, Streisand affecting them, so to speak, where we're actually spreading the word more, which is actually helping them accomplish their goal of racial tensions. Yep. And I, I, I understand how you might be coming to that conclusion. I think that in reality, in my opinion, it is not the discussion of the story that is the problem. It is the way that the story is discussed which is the problem, which is why you have to discuss these things in a... You have to try to be as delicate as you possibly can. Now, in a podcast which runs for an hour or just over, it's hard to get all of your words selected completely correctly every single time. Mm -hmm. So we do try our best to do these things. But in my opinion, when it comes to any stories where... Like, the majority of the stories that we focus on is where government is bringing in legislation to do certain things. So whether it's about the voice or these indigenous cultural uh, heritage laws which have been brought in in Western Australia, or whether it's about the mis- and disinformation censoring bill that they're trying to bring in, we are what I want to bring to everyone's attention is stories where our government is trying to bring in new legislation which removes people's rights generally without people even knowing that it happened. So for me, not discussing these stories is not actually the answer to solving the problem. Because you might be right. I think, and I I do agree with you, I think a big... There was a massive divide and conquer campaign going on in Australia and the Indigenous versus non-Indigenous is just one segment. You've got trans and non-trans, which is another segment. Like LGBTQA plus crew and everyone else. Like, all of that stuff, you're right. It is all divide and conquer. But I want people to, like, 
look part like peer through all of that that surface level bullshit because that's all the government's doing it's a facade mm-hmm. you need to peer through that and go what is the government doing behind the scenes using these tools to to enact change and what's mm-hmm. going to be the result of that and in my opinion like i said the reality of things such as the voice these in, these indigenous cultural laws the missing disinformation laws all of these laws being put into place are just going to end up being used and abused by the same people which are generally elites so to speak that already know how to pull the levers of power in this country and we are just handing over additional levers to those people if we allow yeah, yeah and i guess uh, so i agree i agree with that i do agree with that I do think corruption is going to corrupt. I think politicians are inherently corrupt. I think yep. they're all in it for themselves. So that that is a given. I think you, you give anyone power, they're going to abuse it to 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 a particular extent. Agree. Yep. What I don't what I don't want to buy into what I don't want to buy into is I don't want to fall for the psyop. Yeah, yeah. I, I totally agree with that. I totally agree with that. Which is why, like I said, like I'm I'm at a specific point of with that story from last week, the the person who stands to lose out of that was an indigenous landholder so to me it wasn't a a indigenous first non-indigenous australian story it was a hey this new law's been brought into place stop tapping the desk sorry and the this is a, a ramification which has already occurred due to these new laws that have been brought into place so we need to be concerned about the idea of bringing in further laws which could contribute to further fuckery basically Yes. Makes Let's sense. go look at, maybe maybe for next week, maybe do a bit of a dive on what those yeah. laws are. I'll I'll do a deep dive into the changes to the act because obviously just from reading through that short bit, there was the act of twenty twenty one and this is an out an update to that act. I'll try to find out what the actual changes mm. are between the two. Because look, I'm aware of what you're saying. Like I know guys have worked with the mines as well who have had you know aboriginal guys who have to come out with them to check for cultural significance and all that sort of stuff like that's been going on for a long long time um obviously there's been a a change in the act which has uh led to the the case from last week and it'll be interesting to see or this is this this is why i want to check Mm -hmm. because there might not be anything and there might just be the excuse to now inflame tensions. That's what that's the vibe that I'm getting. Because all these stories are starting to come out now. Now, could be the law. Could be. I I I yeah. I'm, I'm 50-50. I'm 50-50. I'm just I'm taking a step back going I you know, if it it's convenient that the voice is coming, they've been absolutely aloof about what it is. When's that pamphlet come out? Is that out yet? I think that's supposed supposedly already out. I haven't seen it though. I haven't seen it either. And I thought, I said to myself when I saw the news article about it and Albo going, oh, like, we're going to release a pamphlet and everyone's going to know about it. Yeah. Well, isn't it convenient that even with all big tech's stranglehold and the deals done between that I haven't been pushed that information or you haven't been pushed that information? Yeah, yeah of course. So, and, so and, with and, all that there, it's, it's, it's got us in a heightened sense of uh, emotion, I guess. Yeah, but like, again, my focal point on the voice to parliament is not Aboriginal people because they got nothing to do with it. My I'm focus... not saying it's you. I'm not saying it's you. That, yeah. I, 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 please, 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 please. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying 
you're racist. <laughs> I'm not saying that. I am what a bit I'm racist. saying is we're all we, a bit. we are all a little bit racist. <laughs> I hate everyone. I hate everyone. Um, what I'm saying is that what I think we can bring to our audience that mm. they're not going to get from somewhere else, when you drill down into that thing, like into these individual stories, mm-hmm. you actually, I think in a way, if what I'm saying is true, then we are helping them create that divide. Mm. Whereas, so, so their big plan of Cronulla Rights 2.0, okay, which is the on the extreme side, but let, let's say that that's what the... The you know when we're at each other's throats, they they got crazy stuff through in two thousand three, crazy stuff. We went to war in a country that we had for weapons of mass destruction that never yep. ne- never existed, right? Mm-hmm. On a racial racial divide, yeah, crazier stuff can happen. And I don't want to be, I don't want to add credits to that argument by picking up on these little bullshit things that are that are happening in the news. That are, yeah, but that's, again, that's what I'm just all- I'm sensitive to. Right, and I, I, I understand that you're sensitive to that, which is why I think it's so important to still discuss these things but be nuanced with the way that we speak about them. And Zoom, like there's the, there's the facade at the front, which is the racial divide. You need to Zoom through that racial divide and go, what's happening behind the, the dog and pony show that they're trying to, to distract you with in the front end? And that's why I think that it's important to talk about these stories. Not to in, in, inflame racial tensions or anything like that, to show, hey... Like, to do literally what you're saying. Guys, they're literally trying to inflame racial tensions right now. Yeah. Like, this is what yeah. they're doing, and look what they're doing at the same time. It's like the um, the changes they made in 2021 to the Surveillance Act, where during yeah. the pandemic, when apparently the most important thing in the world was COVID, which was the justification to literally shut our country down and send us into a, like, to add 50% to our national debt of money that we borrowed and printed during that time and sent it to overseas corporations, which has now caused the inflation problem we're all dealing with right now. During that time, the government pushed through new surveillance laws where the Australian Federal Police can literally take control of your social media account, make posts on your depart, uh, on your behalf, uh, text message people to and from. Like, that happened while we're all looking at the pandemic. So that's why yeah. I think it's still so important to talk about these things. And I, I agree. I, I want to be... I want to be very clear and open. Uh, Alex and I, we ain't racists. We're half Swiss. Like, we're, we're both immigrants, right? Well, we're the sons of immigrants. We're half Swiss. We are half uh, Maori slash white Kiwi uh, born in Australia. So we're, we're bitsers. We're from all over the joint. We, we love everyone equally. We hate everyone equally. Guess what? Every race has some dickheads in it. <laughs> Every race has some fantastic people in it. Yeah. Um, uh, stereotypes, racial stereotypes, are stereotypes are for fun. a reason, and they're funny. Like, let's yeah, yeah, yeah. go back to being able to. Because the thing is, if you know a stereotype that the person of that race agrees with, because they know it's accurate, they find it funny too, and it actually shows that you care enough about their culture to know these things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, it's a yeah. nice Absolutely. thing. Andrew Schultz is the best guy in the world with it. The comedian, yeah. Andrew Schultz. He will do because his his friend group is the most diverse racial friend group I've ever seen, and yep. he makes it his job to research the cultures of all these different races and and you know nations around the world. So when cultures, he tours, yeah. 
he'll bring up stereotypical like racist-esque jokes but they love it because they know hey this guy's done his research and actually cares about our culture yeah. i think it's a beautiful thing um do, do we have anything else that we're supposed to cover nope we're good we're good all right thanks very much for joining us guys we will see you next week bye